Hello everyone, my name is Pamela Pitcher and welcome to my podcast, Awaken to the Best You. This podcast is designed to inspire and propel you to a newfound level of empowerment and clarity. Through cultivating the art of thinking, you'll learn how to detangle your thought knots and train your brain to break through obstacles. You'll learn to focus on what matters most and make effective choices to become a remarkable you. Welcome to Podcast 27, where I continue down the same road that I did last week with Jos van Bokstel. Today, I will discuss phobias because they are a particularly annoying type of thought knot. Phobias sneak up on us and appear out of the blue and often develop quickly. That tells us that they can be resolved quickly as well, with the right help. Phobias are an excessive irrational fear. And no one need be embarrassed by having a phobia because they are common. Some people think their fears are phobias, yet they're not. So let's distinguish between the two. I fear cockroaches. Well, it's an intense dislike that I have for the creatures. When I was 18, traveling in Baja, Mexico, staying at a budget hotel, I woke up in the morning, tossed my sheets aside to find that I'd been sleeping with a family of cockroaches. I screamed and I jumped out of bed faster than you can say Jack Robinson. Cockroaches are real. Ever since that time, I cannot stand to be in their presence. My last encounter with a cockroach was last November in Kerala, India. When I was on the toilet, he appeared out of nowhere and crawled his way towards the toilet bowl. I jumped and screamed again and my husband got the fellow who ran the toilet to kill the cockroach. He couldn't stop laughing. He thought being afraid of a cockroach was hilarious. I could appreciate that, but it wasn't going to change my mind about la cucaracha. Fear is a normal human emotion triggered by threatening conditions, and you may not view a cockroach as threatening, but the fact that they can pop up in bed or out of the drain in your sink and shower, I find threatening. It doesn't help when I think that they will be living after a nuclear attack and I'll be dust. Yuck. They are formidable creatures, and they're not pretty to look at. Phobias, on the other hand, are a form of anxiety disorder of objects and situations that do not carry real threats. I used to be fearless. I'd fly without any fear. I enjoyed turbulence as I thought it might make a flight a little bit more interesting and feel like a ride at the fair. I was happy in a four-seater plane. I could drive across a bridge without batting an eye. I loved to drive on the windy mountain roads of the beautiful province of British Columbia where I grew up. I was a skier and looked forward to skiing with eager anticipation. I was comfortable with rope toes, T-bars, ski lift with no secure bar access across the lap, and riding in ski gondolas to get to the good snow. All of that changed when I reached my mid-30s. I became terrified of flying, of being stuck inside a plane. Small planes I would avoid at all costs. When I was about to drive across a bridge, I'd experience heart palpitations, sweaty palms, butterflies in my stomach. I was terrified, just like in small planes. And again, I hated the feeling of being stuck. Turning right or left wouldn't work on our bridge because I'd drive off the bridge and dive into the river or sea below. I couldn't do U-turn or back up without involving other people in my fear who would surely 
be hurt by this mad woman who decided not to stay true and turn back. I could no longer ride a ski lift without a security bar. I knew if I did, I would fall out of the chair. I couldn't ride chairlifts that were above a certain height without the terror of knowing that the chair might stop at the highest point where I was sure I'd be overwhelmed by being stuck so high above and fall. I was terrified that my biggest fear was not being able to breathe. And driving on a roadway beside a cliff that dropped down steeply surely meant I was inevitably going to fall off the edge of the world. Vertigo. I didn't know what was happening to me. Sometimes I thought I was going crazy. Other times I thought I had a heart condition, you know, because the heart palpitations and shortness of breath and stuff. My GP explained that I had developed phobias. My phobias showed up at the same time. All of them affected me the same way. Heart palpitations, butterflies in my stomach, erratic breath and burping, the deepest sense of fear spinning around my head. Ultimately, I knew that if I didn't get out of that situation, I wouldn't be able to breathe and there'd be nobody around to help me. The plane wouldn't be able to land in time. I'd be stuck for hours in a gondola and be dead before a rescue effort brought us in the gondola to safety, hours later. I'd be stuck on the bridge in traffic. If I leapt out of my car, I'd be run over. And so I began to learn about phobias. I spoke with my GP who recommended a visualization technique to do to reduce my stress level. When I was about to fly, she would tell me to distract my mind with music, reading, and other tasks. I managed my terror as we took off on planes, listening to music while filing my nails. When my hands stopped shaking, I would read. I did my visualization over and over. I drank wine. I read a book called From Anxiety to Freedom by Manny Feniger. She's a certified clinical hypnotherapist and the founder of the Anxiety and Phobia Support Network. Her book provided me with insights. I learned that there are simple phobias, such as a fear of spiders, snakes, pigeons, heights. It's a fear of one thing. Then there are complex phobias, such as the fear of flying, social phobias like public speaking, and fear of being judged by others. Thankfully, I knew I wasn't alone, that I wasn't crazy. I found comfort in her words when she went on to explain that often people with phobias are highly intelligent and creative. Their creative can conjure up an elaborate story in their mind's eye. Then the fear becomes the fear about the fear. I began to catch myself in the anticipatory stage, knowing that there was no ski lift in sight, no bridge, no cliff. I was in the safety of my own home. My anxiety was all starting in my mind's eye. So I'd busy myself doing other things, productive things, anything to distract my conscious mind from its phobia story. As I read about the stories of the people in her book that she used as an example and how they made it through, I knew I could too. She provided a breakdown of their fear, symptoms, stories, and cures. I began to cure myself. Firstly, I searched for what could be the cause of my phobias, my path from fearless heart to panic-stricken woman in the prime of her life. I don't know if what I concluded is correct. One could develop a phobia simply by watching a movie and not know it. 
Often we don't know the cause of our phobia. I may be completely wrong here, but I do have a theory about me. I realized that with all my phobias, that I had the feeling of being stuck and out of control. I grew up in a family that became dysfunctional after my father died when I was five. We were four children. I was the youngest with three older brothers. Mom had to go to work to raise us. She couldn't afford a babysitter for us after school. Consequently, I had about two and a half hours at home with my brothers before Mom came home from work. They teased the heck out of me. One of my brothers bullied me. Sometimes he wouldn't let me into the rumpus room where there was a TV and toys to play with. I'd have to sit on the stairs of the utility room beside the washing machine until Mom came home and unlocked the door to upstairs. Sometimes he used me as a punching bag, pinning me down on the floor, tapping on my head incessantly, pretending it was a Chinese water torture, and when I'd scream, he'd snort and spit snot into my mouth. Sometimes I couldn't come close to the house at all or he'd throw rocks at my head. I wanted to run away. Sometimes I did, but I'd never make it very far because my suitcase weighed more than I did. I was lucky if I could drag the suitcase to the top of our driveway to the street. I realized I had nowhere to go, no means to take care of myself. I was stuck. In my teens, Mum's boyfriend lived with us. He'd beat her in an alcoholic rage. Mum became an alcoholic too. She didn't listen to my cries for her to stop drinking, for her to leave this man. Despite my brothers and his son keeping him away from my mum when they could, there was nothing we could do when we were at school or out with friends. Mum's face would turn black and blue, and no matter how hard I pleaded, she told me to shut up. She wouldn't get rid of this man. She'd say he was damaged when he was a champion boxer in university. Like that made it all okay. And I was stuck. Fast forward to my first marriage. He was a lovely man and came from a good family. They were normal, so I married him because I needed normal and a sense of security. I walked down the aisle knowing that I shouldn't be marrying him, but I didn't have the emotional fortitude to stop the wedding at that time. I thought I could make the marriage work. He'd become angry at me when I wanted to spend time with my girlfriends. He wasn't interested in skiing, bicycling, dancing, running, hiking, so I did all of those things alone. I learned to golf because that was the only sport that he liked. I learned to golf despite thinking it was a stupid game. He never wanted to go out on weekends, so he spent every weekend watching movies. He would insist that we didn't drink. We'd drink Diet Pop instead. He was afraid I'd become my mother. When I came home one day, he had scratches all over his arms from my cat who was with me before our relationship. Mysteriously, that cat went missing a couple of weeks later. Frustrated with our marriage, I dove into my work, studying course after course that would enhance my knowledge and assist my work. One time I spent a week in Ottawa at a training program. When I came home, the house was a mess. He had had a party at home without me. Apparently, it was okay for him to host a party if I wasn't there. I surpassed him in career success, and he withheld sex. He never showed much interest in me physically after we moved in together. I found myself pleading with him. I insisted we go to a psychologist two separate times to sort out our sex life. 
He'd say the right things to the psychologist, but nothing changed. When I said it was time to have children like we'd talked about when we first got married, because, you know, we owned a home, both careers were going really well, he said to me, I don't want to have children anymore. I've decided no to children. I don't want to share you with anyone. He didn't want to have sex in case I got pregnant. He got mad at me when I tried kissing him after I kissed the cat we had chosen together. I didn't kiss the cat on the lips, by the way. It was usually on the top of his head. My husband would turn his head away from me. In this marriage, I felt stuck. It was at that time my phobias began to appear. He'd get angry with me when I'd be hanging on to the inside of the SUV door when driving next to a cliff. And when my best friend asked us to visit the night before her wedding, I was her maid of honor after all, he refused to go. He said he didn't like her fiancé. And I couldn't go on my own because it meant driving over a bridge and at the peak of my phobic fear. I wouldn't drive myself. I asked him if he could drop me off and come back later, but he said no. Not seeing my best friend the night before her wedding because of a bridge phobia caused me to seek help. At the time, I didn't know anything about NLP or much about hypnotherapy. Years later, I realized that what I'd been doing for years and years was keeping my emotions in stuffing my feelings of anger, frustration, and profound sadness away. It was as though I put a casing around my heart. Outwardly, I was a successful professional rising to the ranks in tip-top physical shape. I was an overachiever, a type A+. I think we can only keep a lid on our emotions for so long. If we don't deal with the stuff at the time, it will show up later in some form of dis-ease. The body needs the release, and for me, it took the form of phobias. So I began dealing with stuff. I went to Al-Anon and took a course on adult children of alcoholics. It was an eye-opener. Until then, I didn't know the profound way living with an alcoholic mother and her boyfriend affected me. With understanding, I had important conversations with my mom that I had never had before. We began to deepen our relationship and remain close the rest of her life. A few years later, I left my husband and began doing some deep work on myself, first with a psychologist, then I took many self-empowerment courses and, of course, read books voraciously. All along, I took the steps presented in the book and did my visualizations. On my own, I was able to overcome the phobia of flying and bridge fear. And I must admit that I do not like to fly in small planes to this day. And you know what? That's okay. There's bigger fish to fry. I'm a skier, so when I developed a phobia of being inside a ski gondola, it was inconvenient to say the least. Sometimes I just couldn't get in a gondola. I'd take the chairlift while friends took the gondola because I had to be outside in the open. I skied with one friend who saw the terror on my face when we got into a small gondola, and he was kind enough to jam his ski pole in the small four-man gondola door so it wouldn't close. Happily, nobody else was with us. Gosh, I thought, this phobia is nuts. When I began skiing with my husband and my soon-to-be stepchildren, I didn't want his children to think I was crazy. I worried that I would have a meltdown in the ski gondola with them. 
They didn't appreciate me in their lives at the time, and I didn't want to make the situation worsen. So I asked my doctor for some medication to calm my nerves. This is no way to enjoy skiing, I thought to myself. It wasn't until I took my NLP practitioner course was I able to overcome my gondola phobia. One day, we learned an NLP technique called the fast phobia cure. We practiced it on one another. That was October. I found the thought of my fear of traveling in ski gondolas moved from a 10 to a 2, 10 being intense and 2 being not much fear at all, a healthy fear, if you will. I couldn't be certain if I was cured, though, without actually skiing. A few months later, I was skiing again and found no anxiety as I entered the ski gondola. Amazing. Happy days. Today, vertigo remains a challenge for me. Sometimes I'm perfectly fine, and other times I feel as though I will fall off the edge of the world. It's usually when I'm overtired, haven't slept well, and may have drank one too many cups of tea. Caffeine is a factor. Unfortunately, one can't fast phobia cure oneself. And where I live, I do not know anyone other than me who has the skills to help me. As my vertigo has worsened this past year, could it be COVID and feeling stuck? Hmm. I'm on the search for an NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist will help me virtually. I have helped others overcome their phobias over Skype, so I know this can be done. Many practitioners won't work virtually, though, so I'm on the outlook. And having said all of that, it doesn't matter why we think we have developed a phobia. The neural pathways in our brain have developed the responses to the perceived threat. What hypnotherapy and the fast phobia cure do is allow the person in a safe, relaxed state to reprocess the phobic response memory to become stored as an ordinary, unpleasant, and non-threatening memory. My husband and I were traveling in Vietnam about five years ago. All his life, he's had a phobia of snakes. On a day trip out in the Mekong River, our guide told us that we were going to have lunch and visit a local farming family dot, 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 who kept three pythons. The pythons were used to keep the rodent population down. My husband's eyes popped out of his head. He looked around at me and he said, I won't be able to get off the boat knowing those snakes are out there. I had mentioned helping him with this phobia before, but there was no reason to until that moment. We moved to the back of the boat and I gave him a quick session. About an hour later, we were meeting with the family. I was off looking at something. When I turned around, there was my husband on the porch of their house petting one of the pythons. I should add, his phobia was a simple one, meaning it was one thing. Complex phobias often take more than one session. So, for example, one might have a phobia about flying for a few reasons. A fear of heights, a fear of being in an enclosed space a fear of being out of control, a fear of turbulence, etc. Bottom line is if you have a phobia, know that you're not alone and there is help out there. In next week's podcast, I'll provide the listeners with a visualization that can help diminish the stress response. Please remember to subscribe and share across social media. I'd really appreciate that, as Awaken to the Best You is my way of giving back. The more, the merrier. And I'd also love to read your comments, so please send your feedback my way so I know how to help you the most. Thank you again. 
Ciao for now.